So, I'm, so there's at least, I know they say that Steinsdorf was one of the uh, yeah. 70. There were 71 they took, right? And supposedly, they, again, it, I tried to find in Haaretz and some of the other Hebrew <laughs> I'm not so sophisticated to know what that tisk 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 means. But I went to the Mishka. Well, I wanted to find, Bernie, at least a, a place like the New York Times where there would be a larger article about it than our Chef. I wanted to find a two or three page explanation if maybe they mentioned, you know, the Nimukim and why they're doing it and, and what it's based on. Um, because the Arachava was very vague, but it's basically what I saw there was that they they're going with the Maribe Rob plan, and even though and they event, and they believe it will help, and and again it's definitely in the news. It, it, it's been out of the news for a while. For one week, and then you didn't hear. I didn't hear about it, but if, right, so we have to know what's going on there. Who's uh, doing I it? quiet. Oh. Uh, but what was their idea? And what yeah, was it was not really something that was in this. It was amazing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Ah, so, so this is the question. Well, that's what we're going to have to see. But again, I'm really not so concerned about what's happening now, just insofar as what's happening now was based on what we're going to be talking about now, what was happening, what happened then. So the Maribe Rav, uh, he was the one, he supported me. Okay, he was the one, he was of course, and he, uh, his students, and it's interesting what makes it a student, I mentioned this last week, I believe, Cairo really didn't know him until they got together in Fox. Now, Cairo was already, he was already in his 40s uh, when they met, uh, late 40s, I believe, and he... The title of the first thing is as his ready. So, so who's older? So the reader out of 12 years old. Almost. So 12 years old. And the reader out of 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 12 years old. And the reader to say he was the seminal influence in the life is not true, you know. But he was a Talmud, and he was a Rebbe Rav gave Smicha to the Yosef Tyrus in 1538. Now, what is the religious views of the Rebbe Rav Mari? What is Mari? Mari means Moreno. Oh, like Moreno. Together the Ayako. 
entrench themselves to try to figure out what was going on and what was motivating everyone. Now, the Maribe Rav, as you can see, well, let's start with Ginsburg here. Ginsburg gives us what he believes was the main, what, what, what really motivated the Maribe Rav to galvanize the rabbis that were with him in thought and to begin this. Now, remember... You know, this is not about ordination. The ordination, right. Right, this now... First thing he says here on page six of our, I know, cross out four, okay? Cross that four out. Just wash that four right out of your hair. Yes. Cross that six out, cross that five out, turn that in. Make that... The five can say five. No, the five can become seven, right? Five becomes seven. Six becomes eight. That's it. Eight pages. All right. So packet A has eight pages. We are now in the sixth page of packet A. How did history get so complicated? There's packet A, and then there's page six. What's going on here? Okay. Okay. Hey, Rob, okay, let's read a little bit in English, or should, we, should I, should I, uh, okay, okay, let's, I, I, I will, should we, Deborah, read a little bit? Okay, hey, Rob's undertaking. The last undertaking, to be judged correctly, must be considered in connection with the whole current of thought of the younger generation of Spanish Let's just stop for one second. In other words, Ginsburg knows these, these, they Rob himself was a kid when this occurred. Okay, Beirab himself uh, was born in 1482, I believe. 14. So he was he was a, a child. He was only about 10 years old. So he's clearly the younger generation of the Spanish exiles. That's what he means here. Okay, go ahead. So the long capacity of 1492 in view of the wretched condition of the Jews in Germany and Italy had threatened the very extinction of Judaism. Okay, let's stop for a second there. Why, why, would, it, why would it threaten the extinction of Judaism? All of the well, insane, right? So therefore, right, that's what Alina is saying. So therefore, in Germany they were wretched. In Italy they were wretched. Again, again, they were definitely on the rise. I don't know why they're wretched, but it definitely didn't match to 300,000 or whatever it was was happening in um, in space. Well, that's the impression that you're getting here, and that's the reason why. Again, we know Poland was on its way, so I'm not sure exactly why it was, why it could have, you know, why it would have. Again, this is a little tr- drama here that threatened. Go ahead. Yeah, it's great reading. No, it's very good reading. For a hundred years ago, this probably was excellent reading. That threatened. Go ahead. Produced phenomena which, while apparently opposite in character, were but natural consequences.
how much of a of a effect Molko had on Maribe Rav, I don't know. <laughs> He's talking about Maribe Rav here. But he says the main representative of this mystical tendency was Solomon Molko. And even though he died, that didn't extinguish those fond hopes and desire for martyrdom, right? People still wanted to continue. It's not like people saw him and said, uh-oh, that's not the way to go. People saw him as a hero, and there was a desire to, to continue pushing, even though it looked like it was certain death. Uh, to try to do something, overturn social order to try to bring us back to Israel, so to speak. Okay, but, go ahead. But the delusion has quite a different effect upon the more practical nature. Okay, so again, Ginsburg is saying like this. There were some people who were misogynistic, like Molko. There were other delusional people, but were practical at the same time. In other words, they were delusional in thinking this was the Yemos HaMashiach, that this was the Tkufas HaMashiach. But some of them just wanted to go push it through and stand up to the authorities and go there to throw and say, we're taking it back or whatever it is. And that was by people like Molko. But there were other people who also, that's what he says, that the delusion had quite a different effect upon more practical natures. I think I mentioned this last week that, you know, I mentioned about, remember I mentioned about 67 being Yemotah Mashiach, but I mentioned that last week, right? I mentioned that. Did I mention that last week? Okay. Again, why is it a delusion? I, I don't know if they, I don't know yet that Yaakov Beirab thought that he was living in the Yemotah Mashiach and that he was trying to bring Mashiach. That's basically what he's going to be saying. That part of the smicha was not about, it, the big reason behind the smicha was ultimately a messianic move. Again, let's see, that's what we're going to do is see if the record justifies that statement. I know that sometimes people don't want to say what their real messianic goals are, and they dress them up, as we saw in Chabad. Sometimes, you know, Chabad, for years, was sort of like playing with this messianism and not letting it become blatant. So, it's true, Gershon Sholem and others have pointed out that there's, when you deal with a messianic movement, there's always the public expressions that they say and what they really believe. But again, I think it's important to first see the public record of the people, or at least the only records that we have of the people uh, who were there. And maybe if we can read messianic tendencies in that, then we'll see if there's maybe a messianic undercurrent. I don't deny there might be some, but I, I want to see the evidence myself before I accept it here, and, I, and you should feel the same way. What I think is really objectionable here is to say that, again, this was a delusion. Um, we don't know, and this is Rabbi Gifter, I heard this from Rabbi Gifter myself, Rabbi Mordechai Gifter, who you probably heard of him, he was a Rosh Hashiva in, in Tel. And again, he did actually go to YU. He actually was a, a student in Yeshiva University, uh, among other Yeshivas. He actually went to, uh, uh, he actually went and studied in Europe in Slavovka. He actually went, he was born in Portsmouth, Virginia. Uh, he was, uh, he was a Balchuva who went to study at the Bar Mitzvah age in near Yisrael, and he did so well, he went from there to uh, uh, the higher Yeshiva University, and from there, um, well, maybe before that, I think he went to, to Salvatka for a few years in Europe. Anyway, eventually he ended up as a Yeshiva in Tells, and um, um, he was a brilliant man and a great orator, and I used to go to hear him, you see, at the end of his life, um, not the very end of his life. The very end of his life, unfortunately, he suffered from Parkinson's, and it was a pretty sad deterioration for him, um, especially someone of such a fiery nature. But he went to Eric Yisrael, and they had great plans to build um, a yeshiva there, and they built a city, which is eclipsed any hope of the yeshiva, at Telstone. You might have known Telstone. It's right outside of Jerusalem. Huh? It was built, Tell Stone, Stone is the uh, American greeting card um, magnate. Right? right, but not the one who wrote The Agony and the Ecstasy, a different Stone. Right. So, that's the Stone edition of the, uh, of the Art Scroll. Anyway, he had given a lot of money to Tell Yeshiva, and therefore they were going to build a Tell Stone, and they built a gigantic building. You know, it was one of those beautiful yeshiva buildings that was conceived. Well, the problem was is that it never took off. Tells was already in decline here in America. Even though they mentioned last week, in the 60s, it was the yeshiva 
the up and coming. My brother went there, and many other boys went there from all over the United States. By the time Rakhista went there in the 70s, you know, there, there was so much diffusion that um, they thought that Rakhista would start with about 10 students, and from there he would build it into this magnificent new beachhead because Cleveland had definitely run its course, <laughs> you know. And they were, again, the, 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 the model that Cleveland had for so many years was amazing. But they realized that, that in Eric Gifter, Rav Gifter was ready. And I used to go to Rav Gifter's, uh, I had a friend um, who slept me to Rav Gifter's classes on Saturday night in Matsui Shabbos. And tell those classes are not called Muster Talks or Muster Shmuzen uh, or Vadim or Sichot. They have a special name. They're called Shi'urei Das. They are shiurim uh, in das, in knowledge. They are shiurim in, 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 in enlightenment. And uh, that's what the Talmud called it. And they have a, there were shivas, they have books called shiurim das. Um, so I went to hear one of the shiurim das. And it still strikes with me, and I went to what he said, because he said um, that in 67, uh, it was a period that... Uh, we dropped the ball. It was the Tkupas Mashiach at that point. And the, the Nisim that were on display, uh, the amazing victories that, that were, you know, on many levels were incomprehensible and the great uh, speed and, of course, the, the, there were some Korbonos now, but very, you know, uh, amazingly few Korbonos, especially in, in comparison to 73 and, and other times, that this was clearly the Rosh Hashem, and had the, had the Thum jumped on the bandwagon properly, had they used their Hisolaris to bring everyone uh, together, it would have been Mashiach time, the same way the Gemara says that Chizkiah could have been Mashiach. He says it's clear to him that this was, uh, this was, that this was a missed opportunity. But that doesn't mean that it wasn't the proof of Mashiach. I don't know where the Kisser said the fault lied with us. Not with the with the he felt that that, the, that there was enough of a Pesach there that the religious could have really reached out and taught everybody. You're right. In many ways, it gave, and, and Tom Segev and others have written about this, in many ways it gave um, the fantasy of the indestructible Israeli and how they were made, and that really, in some ways, they thought led to some of the uh, young Kippur because the Israelis were cocky and, and right. sure of themselves. Um, but again, I, I feel that Gifter's words here are very important to hear because, um, and, and if, you, if, you, if you go through some articles written at the time in 67, uh, the Ponovich and others, also, leaders of orthodoxy, what we call Haredi orthodoxy, they were all saying, we've got it now. The first yeah, the they, 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 they put out the And that's why he said, had we reached out at that time, right. we could have brought Mashiach. Right. When Mutsipa Yashiach. There was no Sanhedrin, so there's... The that's why it couldn't happen. Okay, could be. Maybe, maybe there wasn't enough of it. But it was, but that, that's what I'm saying. It was, true, but it's... Leadership, which is why so much, that's why we still have to take it to Yom and all this other stuff, because there's no... no organized. I, I don't think the fact that we keep two days Yom Tefillin is keeping us away from Mashiach. I mean, that's... No, but it's... No, it's we have leadership. No, you know we don't have leadership. Okay, but, but the point is, is that this is what I'm, I want you to contest and give this statement. It's only no. delusion, it's delusional, it's not delusional to think that this could be Mashiach's time. If indeed this was Beirat's conviction, that itself is not the delusion. When you see the signs of history pointing in a certain way, a, a, a mind is supposed to see them as indicating that. It's not, it's not necessarily a delusion. Maybe a time that you mean, 300 years later, 
he sees it was a mistake. Maybe, maybe he meant that the delusion was that it didn't. I don't That's know. not called a delusion. It's not a delusion. You know, Gifta wasn't suffering a delusion. We need to act in a certain way in order to make that happen. But a delusion is you're you're not right. But you know what? You know you you're deluded into thinking. So again, but you mean when you studied like catastrophe and all that, and you just, you don't think that was delusional? What was it? You don't think that that might have been delusional. Okay, so you don't think that was delusional. But the right. but but to believe to believe that post. 1492, that, that the Ottomans take over uh, Israel, and in 1517, they let the Jews in, and the Jews do make a beachhead in spots. Even if you want to say, again, I'm not saying that that's what Marie Rapp thought, but if he starts thinking, you know, the Simonim are showing, it looks like things are opening up for us, could this be a Mosa Mashiach? It's not delusional to think that way. No, but Chavre Mashiach is not the same thing as the Mosa Mashiach. So yes, it takes time. You know, Chavre Mashiach is right. very very Because they were hungry. I agree. Though. I agree. But that itself is not a delusion. That's my point. Um, yeah. and, and, and I, I think leadership would unite at the time of 67 yeah. and not let Moshe Dayan give the walkers the control on the Temple Mount. Yeah. You know, just to defend the gate. Okay. But the Jews can now unite. All right, there might have been, listen, the ball was dropped in many ways. I just wanted to bring out the point that it's not a delusion to think that that this that we can achieve uh, this messianic goal. Anyway, let's go on. Although the Pope, okay, he says that um, the Jews have to, again, according to yet another view, the chief advocate of which was Maimonides, the Messiah would not appear suddenly. The Jews would have to prepare for him and the chief preparatory step needed was the establishment of the universally recognized Jewish tribunal as their, oh, I took over the reading, I'm sorry, as their spiritual center. Now, this is a very packed sentence here. He says that, that, my, that the Rambam Shita was, A, that Mashiach is something that we prepare for, that we help bring, and the main way we bring Mashiach, this is what he's saying here, this is the Rambam Shita, according to Ginsburg, is the establishment of a Jewish tribunal. Therefore, if we follow the Rambam and we set up a Jewish tribunal, we're doing the necessary step to bring Mashiach. Um, again, although the hopes of the Messiah, characters, especially in Palestine, were fundamentally wild and extravagant, they afforded the right person an excellent opportunity to create for the Jews a recognized central authority spiritual, and perhaps in time, political in character. There is no doubt that the man, again, again, the way he's building this up, Ginsburg, is that there was this, there was this wild hope. Again, wild and extravagant. Uh, but the right person using this Rambam would be able to create a central authority which could become political and really run the country and run Judaism. There is no doubt and again, I put a question mark here, as you can see, that the man for the purpose was Beirat. He was the most important and honored Talmudist in the Orient. Again, I'm not sure if that's true. And was endowed with perseverance amounting to obstinacy. His plan was the reintroduction of the old smicha, and thought he held to be the best field for his activity. Well, that's where he came to live. The lack of unity in deciding and interpreting the law must cease, no longer should each rabbi or each student of the law be judged to decide upon the gravest matters of religion according to his own judgment. In other words, he's saying, Ginsburg, that the Maribe Rav is saying, we've got to have a central Jewish authority. That's what we're after. And we're going to see if that's what the Maribe Rav wrote. This is what people think, he said. Um, and according to what Ginsburg is saying, the main thing that we're looking for is that you're not going to have authority to decide on your own. Now, that sounds to me a little bit strange. You can't, even in the time of the Sanhedrin, um, Sanhedrin didn't mean that Postkin didn't exist. Sanhedrin was there, the great Sanhedrin was there to deal with questions that nobody else can deal with, just like we went in Barsha's Utro. It's not that you can't decide stuff on your own. Um, Maybe stuff in your own. Right? Um, there should be only one court of appeal <clears throat> to form the highest authority on subjects relating to the comprehension and interpretation of the Torah. Technically, the Sanhedrin was not a court of appeal, even when they had it. And a court of appeal would mean that um, 
a best in a Sanhedrin rule something, let's say, and the, the lawyer would say, no, I don't think that's true. I want to take this to a higher din. That's not when the Sanhedrin got involved. If, if a Bedman of 23 decided that this man was guilty of the death sentence, this man or woman of the death sentence, they carried it out. There was no court of appeal. You couldn't go and say, oh, I'm taking this to the Sanhedrin. So it wasn't like a Supreme Court. Not at all. What happened was that the 23 were deadlocked and they couldn't figure out a shiloh or a question, whether it was practical or theoretical, it was like a big college where they would deal with the questions. It wasn't a, a court of appeal. And, 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 and there's no reason to think that Beira was trying to have a, a, a group that would, uh, would actually appeal the psalkim that were going on in, in the other places. It's a very forward-looking way to look at things, to say that we need to have a central authority where all the mistakes that are being made in the smaller courts can now be analyzed and dealt with. I don't believe that's what Marie Barat was talking about at all. He wasn't trying to have a court of appeal. Um, again, but this is what Ginsburg is saying he was trying to have. Um, and that would be to form the highest authority in Soviets relating to the comprehension interpretation of the Torah. Though ideas seem new, it was not without precedent. As an editor in Kinetic Times was in a certain sense Bay Rob's model. But as an editor consisted of such men as could trace their relation back to Moses, yet for a thousand years, that page, page seven, no such men had existed. Bay Rob, however, was equal to the difficulty. Maimonides, he was aware, I taught that the sages in Palestine would agree to ordain one of themselves. They could do so, and that man of the, that man of their choice could then ordain others. Okay? That's, we'll take a look at this Rambam in a minute. This, this, now, although Maimonides' opinion had been strongly opposed by Nachmanides and others, and Maimonides himself had not been quite positive in the matter, Beirav had so much self-reliance that he was not to be deterred from his great undertaking by petty considerations. Meaning, he's not going to be intellectually honest here, but he's got to get this done because it's important. And therefore, it's petty considerations to say that the Rambam might not have held of this or that the Rambam disagreed. Now, um, I, I do not believe, I'm telling you now, that there is, I don't believe Nachmanides strongly disagreed with this Rambam. Um, Nachmanides plays a role here, but not the role the way it's described here. And we're going to see what that is also. Um, moreover, the scholars at Sfas had confidence in him and had no doubt that from a rabbinical standpoint, no objection to his plan could be raised. Thus, in 1538, again, it's funny that they didn't understand what Ginsburg just wrote two lines ago. That, right, Ginsburg said before that the opinion was opposed by Nachmanides and Maimonides wasn't positive. But all these other rabbis together, they had no doubt that no objection could be raised. He just raised them, and we'll see. So obviously you have to deal with this. Thus, in 1538, and it's not a lot of rabbis. You can get 25 rabbis to sign not to go to Jewel, right? Here in Chicago, right? 25 rabbis, that's it? How many Orthodox rabbis are there in Chicago? How many? How many do you think? <laughs> None of these have smicha either yet. I'm talking about 25, you know, we think it was 100. You know, again, you can get 25 rabbis on the street in the Lower East Side, you get 25 rabbis here. 25 rabbis is not a lot. Remember, to us, oh, all the rabbis got together. They, were, they, they got 72 just in, in various that, right? And, 20, and 25 rabbis met in assembly in Sass and ordained Beirat, giving him the right to ordain any number of others who would then form a Sanhedrin. Now, the term Sanhedrin was never used. They never said they were forming a Sanhedrin. Uh, they never said they were forming a group of 70. They never said they were going to reinstitute the Sanhedrin. Um, in a discourse in the synagogue at Svaz, Beirab defended the legality of his ordination from a Talmudic standpoint and showed the nature of the rights conferred upon it. On hearing of this event, most of the other Palestinian scholars expressed their agreement and a few discountants who discountenanced the innovation had not the courage to oppose Beirav and his following. Yeah, here, yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that was the way they described their yeah. They always called it Palestine. Okay. I think what we need to do here is to take a break from Ginsburg for a second. He's going to mention even Chaviv. You can read this on your own. I, I want to see, first of all, does the Rambam say what he says he says? Obviously, the Rambam 
you know, even though, again, the Rambam was, it was only, you know, 300 years since the Rambam's book, but still the Rambam had become the supreme authority, and at least it was enough to, to, to work with. If you take a look at the Rambam, is on, uh, um, is on B, um, back at B. Now, the Rambam, the, the, the basis of the, of, of the Rambam's thought is a combination of, of his statement in two works. Uh, today, when I was making, putting these copies together, I, I did not uh, give you one of the, well, I, I have one of the main sources, but not in its original or not in context. So that's a little bit of a, a faux pas on my part, but I was, I only, I only, I just grabbed what was in here and so I didn't, I didn't, I forgot to take the other thing. But I do have it quoted, so you will see that. The Rambam wrote two significant halachic works. One of them, of course, is the Mishnah Torah. The other one is? Yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah I the same as the Mishnah Torah. More of the is not The other one is? The Sefer Mitzvah is basically an introduction to the Yad HaKazal, part of the Mishnah Torah, but that's, there's another book that he wrote in Arabic, um, and it's called Sefer HaMa'or, or the Parish of Mishnayis. That's really what he worked on, and for years, as he was tramping through uh, North Africa and running away, and uh, it's an amazing work because it's a, uh, it is a uh, translation and uh, interpretation of the Mishnah. It's an amazing, it's a translation into Arabic and an interpretation of the Mishnah. So this was, a, you know, like an art scroll. It was like a great work for people to have. Um, it also was distinguished by the introduction that he gave. He didn't just, uh, some of the most famous statements that we have from the Rambam are from uh, the introduction to the Parish of Mishnah. And the fact that he wrote it on the run, so to speak, uh, you know, is amazing. The book itself, again, you will sometimes wonder, the Rambam does mention plans of writing a commentary on your Shalmi, which some people feel there might be some pages somewhere of. Um, but the Parish Mission is an important work, and just like many great authors, uh, they can't resist themselves. Uh, uh, and he, in a couple of aside, deals with this issue of reestablishing the Smicha. He does it in two places, in the Mishnayis in Sanhedrin and the Mishnayis in Bechorot. Because both of those places, the Mishnayis speaks about the empowering of the rabbis. So what we're going to do is, and, and that work was written in Arabic. Yaakov Beirat happened to have with him uh, an Arabic manuscript copy, and he quoted it in his defense of what he did. That is the strongest source. What he wrote in Hilchah Sanhedrin was the weaker source. Now, the one, the Hilchah Sanhedrin, which is Yad HaZok, or Mishnah is written afterwards. There's a general principle in Halacha that the later work reflects the real opinion of the scholar, and therefore, if the later work is in contradiction to the earlier work, we discount the earlier work because of what he wrote later. So, maybe what we should do is, before we... Um, we go to packet B and we start labeling and we start numbering the pages. That's page one, two, and um, three. Um, if you go to page three of packet B, also known as page eleven. Hardly but now known in the new speak of our the Jewish new Jewish history channel as page three back in the Okay. And the stuff is good stuff. I'm sorry that you know it's got it's, it's the kinescope. Um, if you take a look here, where there's like it looks like an arrow. It says seven. It looks like an arrow, like a seven there in a circle. You see that? Okay. Um, okay. Um, the Perusha with Mishnaya Sanhedrin Parakalim. I got this from the introduction to the 1988 edition of the Maribe Rav Chuvot. Okay. So again, it's pretty much a word-for-word quote. Let's see what it says. Do you see what that? 
When they decide to take someone as their man, the Yasimo Osolarosh, and they'll make him the head. Obavachi is the Baruch Yisrael. It's got to happen in Israel. He nehaishahu that person. Kitzkayim lo aishiva. He will sort of have the rights over this group. The Yisamuch, and he'll have smicha just as if he'd gotten it in an unbroken chain. The Yismochu achakak mishiyirs, and then he'll give smicha to the ones he believes are uh, right. Now. How did the Rambam get this? Where did he invent this from? Mitocha Pasuk. He uses the Pasuk of the Yeshiva Shoftayach Kibarishona, the Yotzayach Kibatchila, Acharikei Nikar Lachotir HaTzedek. What does that Pasuk say? I will return my judges. I will return your judges to you, I'm sorry, like they were in the beginning. This is, this is the basis, by the way, of our brachot shmonetre. Hashiva shoteinu kavarishona. V'yotzieinu v'yotzayke v'tchila. Then Yerushalayim will be called irat zedek. Now, in order, that prophet indicates, according to the Rambam, that before the city becomes irat zedek, it has its judges restored. And therefore, how could you get, again, the Yotzayach Shavtayach Kibarishona, Yotzayach Kibarishona, that means the Smicha could come back. Now, I'd like to point out to you, um, if we go to the next page, please, which is now being called page four. You go to page 4, which is also called page 12, and sometimes called page 16 and 17, but we're calling it page 4. If you go to the bottom, the left-hand corner, please, there's an arrow there. Right, fake set. Pseudo arrow there at the bottom. It's like an arrow, the last arrow on the page. Okay, kind of most Yeah. Okay. Okay. If you go down in that arrowed paragraph, the last arrowed paragraph, to the third line, this is the Maribe Rav translation of the Rambam in the Parish of Mishnayot from the Arabic, from an Arabic uh, text. Here it goes. Upir Shahidin, Sheim Choya Haemes, Sheino Yochulismo. If, the, if it's true that you wouldn't be able to give smicha, you need someone who has part of the unbroken chain all the way back from Moshe, in Cain, then smicha has become bottle. This is one of the Rambam's main principles. You can't have the Mashiach come back and, and say, all right, we don't need to, we don't need to meet anymore. No. The Torah was given and it said, it said, it's got to be Smuchan. That's what we learn out. That's the drosh of the Rambam says. There's got to be a Smuchan. Moshe Rabbeinu gives Smuchan. Give them Smuchan. The Mashiach can't change that. Samicha is an essential Jewish law that in order to be a Dayan and effectively deal with Knossos and deal with Dine Nefoshos, you need to have Samicha. And it's not going to change in time of Mashiach. Mashiach can't come and say we're appointing new Chachamim. It's got to be Samicha again. So where does Samicha come from? So the Rambam says, you have to say that Samicha can be reestablished through the power of the Chachamim in Israel. And if you get the Chachomim in Israel to agree, Smicha can rise like a phoenix again. And now the Rambam quotes, he says, Omnam yira kodesh baruchu, we In fact, Hashem did say to the righteous ones, 
we come back to our land, When is that gonna happen? Let's go to page 2 of Packet B. And 
This is the big baby that everybody talks about. Let's say there's only one person in Eretzitro who got smicha left. One guy left in all Eretzitro who got smicha. What should he do? Moshe Shnayim Betzito. He puts two people on his side. The Somech Shivim Gachot. And he can actually get seven and you've got it on energy yet. Oh, it's the Achachet. Doesn't have to be all at one time. The Achachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachach
can't all agree. Okay. That's, does, that, does that make sense to you? The Jews are all... So, now, does the Rambam therefore mean you need the Jews of the whole world to agree? If you read, if you listened to what I was reading in the Parish of Mishnah, there the Rambam said, it's got to be the Jews in Israel. Does he mean the Jews in Israel in the Fuzarit? Does he mean the country of Israel because of the, uh, the situation? The Jews couldn't communicate with each other, and therefore, again, the Rambam's language here is what gave rise to a big debate. What does this answer mean? Does this answer mean you need the Jews of the whole world? And the Rambam goes on. They know you shall samach mitzi samach enot sarach But if you have one guy left, he doesn't need to get everybody else's agreement. And with don dine knossos he can do it. Why? I mean, this mitzi bezin. The last three words of the Rambam are the big debate. Vahadover sarach hechva. This thing needs hachra. What does hachra mean? Chazan. means to decide to make a decision. Where do you... Uh, the word comes, of course, from like on a, a scale, right? Yeah. The word Korea means like to, 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 to go down, right? To bend down. When you have a scale, and you can argue one way, you argue the other, you need weight to make one side go down and be the one that's correct. So the Rambam seems to be saying that I think this is true, Again, this is, this is the question. What do those three words mean? Were those three words a rejection or at least a doubt? In other words, I asked this tremendous kasha. In other words, in the parish of Mishnayas, he was gung-ho. He said, it can happen, and it's got to be able, because it can't be the smicha, it can't be that we've lost the sun heaven forever. It can't be the Mashiach can't bring it back. Mashiach can't come and reinvent something, and the public says there's going to be it. So I know that if it's going to happen through the Chacham of Israel, they can appoint a person. Or like he says here, they can appoint a team. And they are now the new Musmach. So your question is, in fact, why is it Bahadavan Sarek That is like not my question. Is he doubting himself? Right. So is he doubting his point? In other words, he feels it's important enough to be written. But he wants to throw it out there for other scholars to maybe weigh in on the issue. If that's the case, then the Marie Beirav has shot himself in the toe. He can't use this Rambam, right? He can't ride the horse of the Parish of Mishnah when the, when the author of the Parish of Mishnah himself, when he thought about it later, felt it was a good enough of an idea to present, but not strong enough to, 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 without, not to add, and it still needs work, and I'm not sure. I mean, it makes sense. i got a big cash on it. It still needs work. That is what Levi Ibn Chavit said. Levi Ibn Chavit said, what right do you have to take this Rambam when he himself didn't take it? <laughs> he himself wasn't ready to act upon it. He thought it was a great idea. What gives you the right to act upon it? And as you can see, the, the Marie Beirab is going to have to learn this Rambam differently. He's going to have to say, Adabar Sarachem means something else. Again, it sounds like a small point, doesn't it? It sounds like a Talmudic hair-splitting. But really, do we have a horse to ride on or not? Can we ride on the trampa? Because it, even though Ginsburg makes you think that that was a non-issue, Ginsburg, that's petty consideration. The point is, we've got to do it because the time needed. That's not the way they worked. They needed to walk the banister and hold on. They walk up the stairs and hold on to the sides, the banister, and the way they walk to the sides is walking on the words of the postkin. They couldn't just say, Ginsburg would want us to believe that it was necessary, that it needed to be done, in order to bring Mashiach A, and secondly, to clear up all the problems of Pisgah that the Kyra was also worried about. This was the, to make a Supreme Court. These other things, okay, you can't, uh, you can't push anything through unless, in Judaism, unless it works with sources, but those are petty considerations. I believe that these were the essential considerations, that they lived completely in the world of Aloha, and the reality, whatever the political reality would be, would be as an outgrowth of their intellectual honesty here. Everybody has their slant, and everybody's got a point. And it's almost impossible to be a Malach. Yes, we do our best, and we, we, we do a disservice to the Marie Beirav if we believe that the political considerations, the considerations of the time, were the essential ones. If 
essential to the point of, of, of making him blind to the truth. We need to try to look at this debate and see how each side approached the sources. The Rambam is our prime source. Next time we'll try to see what the Rambam does with it. Um, we're also going to see that, unlike what Ginsburg says, one of the main reasons the Rambam proffered for, for doing the smicha was to allow people to do tshuva from their Murano existence. And we're going to talk about that. Why having a bunch of, why getting, giving people smicha will help you do tshuva? Um, why should that make a difference? So we'll talk about that more next time on the Jewish History Channel. I hope you come back. Um, again, we try. Again, I, we'll try to 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 do a good balance of of English, Hebrew, general history, um, anecdotes of Eastern Europe, and uh, any other stuff that you guys want to bring into the table. Bernie, also to be a question. The Rambam bases it on the Pacific says the Ashiva Right. The Ashiva I mean, God will return. Quite a leap from that. They will do it. They will do it. Bernie, excellent point. God is saying, I'll restore your, 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 right? But again, the Rambam, you saw what the Rambam said. It can't be that Mashiach will do it, and it can't be that a new halacha is formed. But maybe, maybe we need God's will or something in some way. Good point, Bernie. Very good point. Thank you very much. Tom, real to see you. I hope so too. Okay. Got some ice cream now. <laughs>